Thank you for downloading this episode of the Research Files podcast series, brought to you by Teacher Magazine. I'm Rebecca Vukovic. Are teachers ever influenced by bias when it comes to grading student work? This is the focus of a new report from researchers at the University of New England, which looks at different types of potential bias in grading, including gender, race and physical attractiveness. Associate Professor John Malouf joins me in this episode to discuss the findings from his research and what schools can do to minimise bias in the classroom. Professor John Malouf, thanks for joining Teacher Magazine. Hi, I'm glad to be with you. Okay, to start off, can you talk me through the key findings from your research into bias in grading? Well, we looked for every well-done study uh, that examined whether markers are affected by bias, and we found 20 experimental studies from all over the world, and they looked at different types of potential bias, whether the student was a female, whether the student was attractive, whether the student had some educational label, which could be a good one or a negative one, prior performance of the students, lots of factors that ought not to affect uh, the mark we assign. We want to mark just the quality of the work. And what these studies found is, yes, there there is an influence. It's a significant influence. It's not huge, but in a usual uh, task uh, where we're assigning grades, it might amount to four or five points on a zero to 100 scale. And so can you talk me through in, in some more detail how you actually went about undertaking this research? Well, we just did a search like bloodhounds for every potential study. I mean, we searched every database, <laughs> and then we contacted authors if they did the study recently, a study recently uh, that we found, and asked them, "Do you have anything else that's in press?" So we we did it pretty comprehensively to search for the studies. Now, the typical study uh, was set up like this: almost every one uh, got maybe. Uh, several different uh, um, essays from students. Um, some were good, some were medium, some were bad. And then every, every marker marked all the essays, uh, but some of the markers randomly assigned were given this extraneous information, either a photograph of the student or some educational classification or the sex or ethnic background, and the other ones either weren't told this information or were given information about the student who supposedly submitted the work, putting the person in the, in the more favored category, which might be uh, the dominant ethnic background of the culture, or it might be males, or it might be, say, the student is a gifted student in primary school. All the studies, as it turned out, were done either with marking primary school work or university student work. And so you did all of this reading and research, and then can you talk me through exactly what you found um, through all your research? Well, a typical study would find that the people, the students who, whose work was in the, the disfavored category received lower scores, statistically significantly lower scores than the students who were in the favored group. Now, you've got to keep in mind, this is exactly the same work. That's the beauty of this experimental method. Everybody was marking the same papers. Um, and, but, and so what would explain the difference? Their only difference was this extra bit of information that some markers had. 
that, that may have either helped or hurt a student, depending on what exactly it was. And so the, our conclusion was there is a potential for bias. There are only certain types of bias were actually examined. Uh, such as what I've mentioned might be sex, ethnic background, prior performance. Um, others weren't examined, uh, how, how nice the student has been, how tall the student has been. Uh, there are lots of other things that could potentially bias a marker. Those weren't studied. We would just guess or speculate from our findings that other factors could also influence marking if the marker is aware of them. And that's the crucial thing that the, our recommendation based on our findings is that uh, markers and teachers, who's ever doing the marking, keep the students anonymous where that's possible. Mm, really interesting. And John, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit more about what you mean when you talk about the halo effect. Well, we, we wondered why are people affected, why are these markers affected by this extraneous information? And we think there, there's a halo effect, which can be, usually people think of a positive halo effect like an angel, but scientists also talk about a negative halo effect. I don't know, maybe that would be like horns, <laughs> we'd call it like the devil. That we have expectations about people based on uh, how attractive they are, perhaps, their ethnic background, their sex, how is certainly more obvious for us is how a student has done before. And uh, I had an experience with a student who had done very well in one of my uh, units. Uh, and then he went on to fourth year where we have two markers independently mark their thesis. And I gave him a very high score uh, initially. And then I talked to the other marker who pointed out all these errors I hadn't noticed. And I thought, well, I, I gave him too high of a score because I expected him to do well. But that's not, that's not what we want to do. We want to, don't want to grade on our expectation. And that's the halo effect. So he had a benefit for me of the positive halo effect. Now, we had a relatively good system there that we had two independent markers, and then we had to agree on something that made the final mark. A better system, which we now have at our university in psychology, is we don't know who the student is. So if it was from a student who had done very well in my unit before or had been exceptionally nice or helpful to me, I don't know. So how can I be influenced by that? Interesting too, because do you think that that's what schools should be doing, that they should all be doing blind marking when it comes to tests and exams? I think that's a good idea, and some universities have that policy, some schools have that policy, and there are many reasons to, to use that. I mean, individual instructors can obviously do it themselves, but it's also good to have a policy so it's across the board. It's sometimes hard to convince teachers about this because they would swear in a court of law that they're, uh, they're fair, they're unbiased. And they, they may think that, but it may not be true because these biases are unconscious. And there are a lot of studies outside of what we covered that show that when you do any sort of an assessment, whether it's who you're going to vote for in an election or who you're going to hire or who you would favor hiring, there are biases that creep in that we don't know about, that we're not aware of. And so the, the, the fairest way to treat students is to not let these uh, biases creep in, not let them affect us. And the surest way to do that is to keep the students anonymous. There may be other things to do using a rubric or a very good marking system that makes the, the, the marking more objective. So for instance, we don't 
recommend keeping students anonymous if their if their multiple choice test is going to be scored by a computer. Uh, I mean, there might be at the end point some possibility for bias if there's some controversy about what the stu how the student responded on this item and that item, but it's very, very small, perhaps trivial. Not so trivial when there's a subjective judgment about the quality of a student's performance. Yeah. And so, John, are there any other strategies that teachers could employ, I guess, to minimize the impact of bias? Well, the less you know about the individual, the better. And also another thing to do is try to make the marking as objective as possible using a rubric where you have clear indicators of what sort of factors, where the student fits in on this criterion and that criterion, or something similar you can have as detailed marking criteria. Uh, that, that, those are probably always good strategies if you can set them up. Um, uh, and they may be particularly helpful with regard to reducing uh, marking, but also there's just other subjective elements that we want to reduce as much as possible to not only make the marking fair, but to make it look fair. Because students, uh, so students often don't think deeply about this, but some do, and they, they prefer to have just their work marked. That, they, that seems to them to be fair. That's what they're going toward, typically, putting their effort into their work, into their work not into their appearance or how helpful they are in class or how pleasant, how much they smile, and so on. Uh, that They want their work to be graded, and so this, to them, gives the, the presentation of we're doing this as fairly as we can, and we're marking what you submit. Fantastic. Well, John Maloof, thank you for sharing your work with The Research Files. You've been listening to an episode of The Research Files from Teacher Magazine. To download all of our podcasts for free, visit acer.ac forward slash teacher iTunes or www.soundcloud.com forward slash teacher hyphen acer. To find out more about the research discussed in this podcast and to access the latest articles, videos and infographics, visit www.teachermagazine.com.au.